Let's say a Hollywood screenwriter is developing a character. The character framework starts as an aging high school basketball coach. The coach has over 40 years of experience, though he carries a youthful spirit. His players aren't always sure if he's mentally playing with a full deck, but they have little doubt of his full heart. And his teams win. A lot. When the movie studio brings that character to life, he would undoubtedly look and sound a lot like Don Lippy. Lippy is Northern California's winningest basketball coach of all time, according to the Cal High Sports record book. And on Saturday, May 15th, the St. Joseph's Notre Dame boys coach earned his 900th career victory at his, as his small Alameda school, the same one where Basketball Hall of Famer Jason Kidd's career began, defeated crosstown foe Ensignal. The 73-year-old Lippy became only the state's fourth member of the 900-win club. His 42-year career has featured multiple stops at St. Joseph, as well as St. Patrick's St. Vincent of Vallejo, Skyline of Oakland, and St. Ignatius in San Francisco. He's won four state titles, all with St. Joseph, with the most recent coming in 2017. That one happened to be win number 800. If there was a Mount Rushmore of Bay Area high school basketball coaches, Lippy would be front and center. His peers deeply respect him, and his players bust their tail for him. For this episode, we gathered a handful of coaches and former players of Lippy. one guest filled both roles, to share stories of a legendary coach with a one-of-a-kind personality. This is Sports Stories. Of all the current Bay Area boys basketball coaches, Mark DeLuca may know Lippy best. He is certainly among those who have known him the longest. DeLuca is the boys varsity coach at Valley Christian in San Jose, though a successful 25-plus year career has also included varsity coaching stops at Pinole Valley, De Anza of Richmond, and Berkeley. In the early 80s, he was a sophomore on Lippy's first team at St. Patrick's St. Vincent. Lippy's goofy, disarming persona coupled with tough love and a ba- passion for basketball transformed the young, brash DeLuca. In a first-person piece he wrote for Sports Stars last May, DeLuca wrote that playing for Lippy was like playing for a comedian, teacher, coach, and activist, all in one. But DeLuca wasn't sure what he was getting that first day he met his new coach during the spring of his freshman year. And then I'll never forget, like they said, you know, come to some meeting or something, and this goofy guy walked in, kind of a goofy, bald guy. Even back then, he had the same, you know, receding hairline or whatever, you know. And I don't know. He had on like the old school bike coaching shorts. And I think he had Converse high tops on. We're like, who is this guy's a mess? Of course, if you want to get to know your new coach, maybe you see how he responds to a hard foul during open gym. And I'm like, I, I got to test this guy out. So I just laid into him and fouled him really hard. Intentionally, you know, he didn't even react. And he basically said, hey, you're DeLuca, right? I want you to be my T.A. Uh, second period and from that moment on uh, I literally was that man's second uh, period TA and subsequent TA for the next three years after that we spent every day together talking which ultimately ended up being invaluable. Bill Mellis is in his 23rd year coaching the varsity boys at Salesian High in Richmond with 561 wins through May 19th he's on a similar pace to Lippies all he needed to do was settle in for another 20 years Mellis has been enamored with Lippy since first hearing him speak at a coach's clinic in the early 2000s. I became a head coach in 1998. I had been an assistant coach prior to that for five years. 
And for the five years prior to that, starting in 88, I worked for Cal basketball when I was a student. So, um, you know, back, I mean, he's been coaching, you know, all that time. And uh, so I always knew, you know, I had heard, heard about him and knew, knew of him and you know, kind of knew what, I, what he looked like. But I had never met him until uh, real early on when I was a head coach. I went to a coach's clinic at Cal. And he was one of the guest speakers. And this is probably around 2000, somewhere around there. And uh, just watching him and, you know, he's kind of high energy and funny and witty and smart and just like, you know, said a lot of things that really resonated. And so that was back when he was at St. Ignatius. And, uh, and but then I didn't really get to know him until he you know, came back to St. Joe's and then we, you know, we played against each other for many years because we were in the same league for a long time. And that's when I really got to know him. I just have a lot of respect for him. It didn't take long for DeLuca to grasp that Lippi was a different type of coach than any he'd had before. And by the time he turned 16, he knew he wanted to follow in his coach's footsteps. I always appreciated his uh, dedication, even from an early age, you know, uh, he was teaching in Vallejo, but he was living in Daly City. So he was commuting every day to St. Pat's. And then if we had some type of summer league game or spring league game or fall league game, whatever, he'd come get us. We'd go to some game. Then he'd drive us back to Vallejo. Then he'd drive back to Daly City. And it, it was not unusual for him. Even I was aware of this back then, but it wasn't unusual for him to get home, you know, 11 or 12 at night, come back to Vallejo, you know, for 7, 7.30 in the morning. I, I saw that right away. And to this day and to back then, he has this funny thing about, all right, DeLuca, I'll pick you up at your house at, you know, 7, let's say 7 a.m., right? He has to sit out there at 6.30. He just sits in his car and waits for you it's really and he he did it when i was a teenager did it when i worked with him at a si camp a hundred years ago too it was, it's hilarious he was the first coach that kind of showed me like oh they can really be into your football basketball baseball but also into helping your life you know i i hadn't been introduced to that before and i was a typical high school guy full of myself and he was the first person to like say, hey, do you realize you're being an idiot when you're dancing? Uh, I was way ahead of my time in dancing after uh, touchdowns or whatever. Now, now it's normal, but I, I was doing that back in the you know, early 80s. And he's all, you know, quit being a jerk and all this stuff. And it, it was actually very helpful. But I, didn't, I didn't understand it at the time. And... Um, and then he was the first person to say, like, hey, you know, he was taking an interest in my life. You know, like, hey, you, it's just you and your mom, you know. And he kind of understood that we didn't have money and, you know, the whole nine yards. As part of the same league for several seasons, Mellis would often match up against Lippy's St. Joseph's teams two, three, sometimes even four times a year. And season after season, those Lippy teams always carry the same traits. They play hard. Um, I think they 
played with really with a lot of energy. Um, I've always thought that they were really good at the defensive end, uh, but at the same time, they, you know, execute at the offensive end. I just I feel like his teams play both ends of the floor. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of times uh, teams probably concentrate on offense and put a lot of time into offense. And uh, you can tell that he puts a lot of time or equal time, at least uh, it, it, into defense. I just think they play really hard and play smart and take smart shots. And you can tell, like, I think they, I think they're his kids have fun playing for him. You know, he's known for his fast break style. So that's first and foremost. Um, we would, we would try to do things to slow them down, whether that's deny the point guard or, you know, press to kind of slow them down. Um, but I also think, uh, I think, you know, they, they, they change defenses, you know, they're, they're not just straight man to man, they're playing zone, they're pressing them, they're, they're mixing it up and it makes it tough because, um, you know, if you go into a if you go into a game and you know the other team's going to just play man to man, you can kind of work on your man to man offense and be prepared for it. Uh, if you know a team is going to just zone a certain zone, you can kind of just concentrate on that. I mean, with his teams, you got you got to be ready for a two three zone, a one three one, a one two two, a press, a man to man. I mean, it's just there's so much you have to prepare for. Um, that it makes it it makes it tough, you know, for the other coaches. It's been running the same place for a hundred years. Uh, nowadays, he might call it two, but back in the day, called the drop, a little dribble handoff or layup, and he wasn't really and still isn't to this day a big X and O guy. Not to take away from him, he's solid there but he's a huge play hard guy, you know, and he's, you know, he's screaming and yelling and, and if he's fired up that fired up on a sideline, you can't help it, you know, be fired up yourself. And the, the biggest takeaway that I took for him was just give everything you have on defense and be in a stance and the offense will kind of just take care of itself. So um, definitely playing hard is what I remember and what I took away from him. Playing for Lippi always came with a caveat to expect the unexpected. DeLuca learned that in his very first season playing for Lippi. We had, we had a great team, but we lost all the seniors. So the next year, we were kind of not as good, obviously, and we didn't have any seniors. And that was Lippi's first year. And I think... Um, Oh, Bishop O'Dowd had Tony Ronzoni, uh, Tony Jackson, maybe, and uh, Eric, um, like, McCaffrey or something. These are awesome players. We had, like, you know, guys smoking cigarettes as our backyards and all this stuff. We, we, we did not have a good team. Let's just put it that way. And we lost a close one to O'Dowd. I think they beat us by 73. It was something – it was bad. It was like 100 to, you know, 20 or something like that. So then, according to DeLuca, Lippy drove the boys back to Vallejo, then went all the way back home to Daly City, and then decided to put on Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge 
over troubled waters, but not just once. Each time for every point we lost. So he says we, he listened to it 73 times in a row and he was crying all night. <laughs> so I'll, I'll never forget, like, why is he telling us that? And what kind of freak listens to that song over and over? And now when I hear that song, I'm haunted. I, I think of Bishop O'Dowd and, you know, Lippy crying. Timadio Yusuf is a 2014 graduate of St. Joseph who went on to play four years for Long Beach State and is now in his first year playing professionally overseas. He's currently a member of the Antibes Sharks of the French B-League. Yusuf wasn't sure what to make of Lippi either when he first met the pilot's coach as a freshman. Of course, like DeLuca and so many others discovered, the coach was different, in a good way. First impressions, I thought, I, I, I thought he was crazy a little bit, yeah. I mean, you could see, you know, how he coached. He's, he's, he's animated, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't hold back his emotions at all. But, you know, I'm, it was, it was new for me uh, for, for sure, just because uh, he'll let you know how he's feeling. He doesn't hold it back. Even if you're the last guy on the team, you know, he's going to talk to you like you're, you know, one of the starters. So I would say, yeah, I just thought he was crazy. I, I want to say I was, you know, kind of scared, but, you know, once you get your chance to play for him, it kind of makes you a little nervous just because, you know, he's he's going to get in your face or, you know, say what he has to say. So I would say that was my first kind of impressions of him. But, you know, it kind of grows on you because off the court, he's, he's great. So, you know, you, you're not – you're like you're, you might be mad at him for something he said to you yesterday in practice, but he's coming at you with love off the court. It's, it's hard to be mad. You know? I think of him as a second father. I'm, I was always I – mean, and his son, Dominic, was like a big brother to me. So, you know, I still talk to him to this day. Um, I was always at their house with Miss Lippy, uh, the daughter of Gabby Lippy. I mean, I, I loved, I loved, I loved him like a father for real. So it's like, we got so many memories, so many times with me off the court with him and his family. He would take me out to eat whenever I needed. If my parents were running late for picking me up from practice, he lived across the street from the school. I would just go right over to his house, and hang out over there, watch TV. I mean, there's so many things that he did for me off the court that, you know, coaches don't even have to do it. And there's a million coaches who won't even think about doing that for kids, you know. And he, he would do it for anybody who needed it, not just because I was, you know, obviously one of the best players on the team, but he was always there for everybody. Yusuf played varsity all four seasons at St. Joseph, and the Pilots reached the CIF Division Five state championship game all four years, winning twice. His first season in Lippy wasn't without his difficulties, though. Um, it's crazy because I was varsity as a freshman, and I, being honest, I really didn't know how to play the game that well. Um, I mean, I was I wasn't that good at all. Keep it honest, you know, just kind of. Uh, I was I was about like six three, maybe six four, and I think I just you know I I love the game, but you know never put in the real amount of work, things like that. And, you know, coming in as a freshman, you know, you just want to play. It's not – I never really thought to, you know, be a varsity star. That wasn't really even my thinking. I wasn't even thinking about college like that either. So I just wanted to play, you know, play with my friends. And um, we had to try out, you know, I was obviously better than a freshman and better than the guys that were on JV. Um, and Coach Lippy thought I should be on varsity. And I was excited, you know, get to be on varsity, you know, with the older guys, get the nice jerseys, the shoes and stuff like that. But 
Um, once practices and stuff were going on, I obviously knew I was out of shape. And I, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready for, for that. But he, he wanted me on varsity. The season starts and I'm not playing at all, like at all. So I'm like, you know, coach, just let me go play JV with my friends, you know, like, so I could just go play and have fun, you know. And he's like, no, no, stay on varsity. I want you on varsity. I'm like, you know, I think nothing ever is let it go. Then, you know, later down the year, the year is almost up for the JV. And, you know, later in the in the um, season for varsity, I'm still not playing. We're having a pretty good year. We want state that year, actually. And, you know, the seniors, we have like six seniors. They're doing their thing. It's not, not that I should have been playing over anybody, but, you know, I just thought I should go play JV, you know, just let me go play JV. And I'm crying to him and all type of things. And he's like, no, to Tim, you know, you should, this is going to be good for you. You should just, just stay here, you know. You'll learn of these guys, and, you know, you, you, you'll get to play here and there a little bit. And so, you know, I kind of resented him a lot, you know, earlier in my in my career at St. Joe's just because I never played. And I never thought that I should have been playing varsity. I just, you know, was like, damn, just let me go play JV. But he, he saw something bigger for me. And when I, when I look back on it, you know, it, he was he was kind of prepping me to just be a leader because uh, it was no other freshman or just any any other younger underclassmen that were on the team at that time. And I think he just wanted me to, you know, learn from the older guys. We had like six seniors, four juniors, a real older team that had been experienced and had went to, you know, state playoffs and things like that. And, you know, I learned a lot that year. Um, I thought I probably could have learned a lot more playing, but, you know, I mean, I don't think it hindered me at all for my next year. So, I mean, he he, he knows what he's doing. I mean, I look, look back on it and I'm like, it's one of the smartest things he's, he's done for me, you know, so. Before we continue with the rest of this episode, here's a few words from our podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. In the Army National Guard, my part-time service lets me serve close to home, keep a full-time job and earn money for school. I really can have it all in the Army National Guard. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. At heart, Lippi is a teacher, a very engaging one, and it's part of what drew Mellis to him so early. Mellis shares a story from the clinic he mentioned earlier in the podcast, and then DeLuca follows with memories of coaching on Lippi's staff during his first year at St. Ignatius in the early 90s. I, 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 would, I would actually refer back to that coach's clinic um, he was, he was teaching that day. He was teaching his fast break offense and he, you know, would have the four man take it out of bounds and the two of the three run the wings and the five man just takes off to the basket. And, and, and the, the one would run along the kind of free throw line and catch the ball on the run. And, uh, one of the, one of the people attending raised their hand and asked him, coach, what do you do if the point guard is being denied? And so he said, well, let me tell you. And he goes, <laughs> and he said, why don't you get up and go deny my point guard? And, uh, and he had like maybe some players or, you know, someone doing the demonstrations. So I think he took the place of the guy that was inbounding. So he goes, okay, so watch this. And he takes the ball out of bounds and he goes, I'm going to throw the ball to you. And he throws the ball to the guy who's defending the point guard. And he goes, and he catches it at like the free throw line. And he says, so what are you going to do now? And he goes, 
uh, I'm going to go score the ball. And he goes, okay, cool, go score it. So the guy goes and scores a layup, and Lippy takes the ball out of the basket and throws it to his point guard and goes, see, now I can throw it to my point guard. And, uh, and everyone laughed, you know, and he said that he got that. <laughs> he said that he spent some time with Paul Westhead, who, of course, was known for their fast-breaking style. And he, and he said, Paul Westhead taught me that. Now, would he actually do that in a game? No, but, um, but it was just kind of funny how he, he you know, how he, and he, you know, how, I don't know, just kind of witty and funny and he was. And then, you know, he's high energy even in, in a coach's clinic. By the end of the coach's clinic, He's like sweating and uh, just hilarious. He, he's just, you know, you could tell like um, just probably how fun it was to play for him. I'm, I'm obviously, you know, I'm super close to uh, Mark DeLuca and, uh, you know, DeLuca, of course, played for him. So I've heard a lot of stories just about how great it was to play for, for him. First, um, I actually first started by coaching with him. Um, it might be my favorite staff of all time um we kind of flipped the script he he got the job at si i don't remember what year that was it was uh 92 ish or one ish or something i don't remember what year it was and he's all look i i don't know anybody i want you to come coach so i was commuting to san francisco from vallejo with this kind of switch lives there I agreed to coach with him and all of a sudden he said, you're going to coach freshman B. I'm all, what? And he goes, yeah, the good news is you have no gym time and there's no basketballs. So we, we practice every day outside and the assistant coaches, Lippy had Mike Grignani, who's awesome, you know, rest in peace. And uh, Harry Panazopoulos, who was the longtime successful SF City coach. And then you had Lippy and myself. I think that was that was the best staff I'd ever been a part of. That's like every single person on there really knew what the heck was going on. And the uh, first practice at SI, Lippy was, you know, all fired up. And after like two seconds into the first drill, he starts screaming, you're not playing hard enough. Everybody get down, do, you know, 25 push-ups or whatever. After like two seconds. And all of a sudden he started looking around. He's all, not the coaches. Cause Grignani and Anisopoulos got down there and they started doing it. Like, and I thought, oh, those guys idiots, you know? Uh, and then from there, the irony was Grignani and I started, we, that was our introduction to each other. And we talked every day from that moment on and we became golf partners and competed against each other. Oh, those were, those were great times. That was a great staff. Part of the charm of coaching with and playing for Lippy was listening to him tell stories from his rich and colorful past stories that seemed like they'd fit perfectly in Forrest Gump's collection. He has this story. This has nothing to do with basketball. Has nothing to do with basketball, but it's such a freakish story. And I, I believe him. He said that he was working at the San Francisco airport, driving the buses. Now this was back in the day, you know, airports weren't as busy as they are now. So he said he had the worst shift. Nobody was ever on his buses. And he just went around in the loop constantly at the airport. 
Well, him and his buddy would time each other and they'd see each other at the exact same time, looping around. So then they started to try to outdo each other. Like he said, he'd drive by and he tried to do a quick handstand or he would, you know, drive by and pretend to read the newspaper or whatever. And he said that he said that he had won the contest. It was a no contest. He was doing great handstands and things like that until his buddy passed him. There was nobody driving. And at the very end of the bus in the back seat, his buddy was going like this. And I'm like, that is the funniest lippy story of all time. Not a lot of people know this about him. He fancied himself at one time as like a big league umpire. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He thought he was. <laughs> he thought he's going to make it in the majors as an umpire. Okay, sure. Uh, so he swears that he's working a game and he's behind home plate. And it was a swinging bunt down the third base line catcher picks the ball up to tag the runner and somehow lost the ball and it got perfectly lodged in between the uh, runner's uh, pocket and batting glove so the runner actually had the ball and was running around the bases ball in his back pocket <laughs> lippy said everybody was chasing him including lippy he said he was running out there they're all chasing this runner I hope he gets to hear all this. This is hilarious. Uh, another thing that was really cool about him and still is cool about him, he's a cradle-to-grave Democrat, right? I mean, he was that way, you know, in 81. He's that way today or whatever, right? So just to make him mad, just to make him mad, we would say stuff like, I don't, I don't remember who the president was, quite honestly. I, gosh, isn't Reagan doing a great job or whatever, you know, just totally making up something just to get, what are you talking about? Oh, and by the way, he doesn't curse, right? I don't know if you've ever come across that. He doesn't, not curse. Reagan's doing a great job. You cockatootie, dirt bird, you know, bird brain, you know, he, he yells these weird things at you that are, they're worse than curse words. You know, a cockatootie, a bird brain what i'd rather be cursed at than called that uh, and uh <laughs> i'll never forget one time in a basketball game uh i can't tell that story anyway uh yeah uh pretty he's he's hilariously different he's hilariously different uh, i i still think he does this trick and i don't think he would admit it he'll like write and marker i'm hungry for a win on his chest and then right before the big game goes ah i'm hungry for a win you know like no you're just out of shape and i i don't know it, it was weird because you never knew what was coming uh from one day to the next and i think i've taken that from him you know i love to be highly intense with my players but at the same time just totally off the wall about something funny and goofy i did it today i did it yesterday i'll do it tomorrow yusuf has fond memories of lippy's motivational tactics as well first he recalls some of his goofy out-of-the-box tactics 
Then he talks about a more traditional style that he used during use of senior season, after the previous season ended with a crushing defeat. To get us going for the game, he'll do whatever. He, I don't, I don't know where he thinks of it, but he'll do whatever. Like it's one, one random time that we're in the kind of our uh, locker room before the game, and he's like, he's telling us like, guys, a team like this, you know, when you, when you have them down, you wanna, you wanna step on them, you wanna, you know, make sure you don't, you don't let up on the lead. You know, and he lays on the ground. He's like, he's like, Tim, Tim, st- step on my chest. I want you to step on my chest. I'm like, coach, what are you talking about? Like, step on my chest. This is what we got to do to these guys tonight, Tim. Come on. And he's like, put, you know, go ahead. Put your whole weight on him. I'm like, coach, come on, stop playing. And he gets on the ground. He's like, come on, Tim, come on. And I, and I do it. And, I, and I, I see him. I'm hurting him a little bit. And he's, you know, he starts acting like he's hurt. He gets back up. And then, you know, we all fired up at this like that. That's one time. But that was a lighter, lighter situation. I remember. It was one time, and I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm upset that I can't even remember why he did this, but for some reason, he had raw liver with him. And before the game, I think it was my senior year, actually, before the game, I don't even know what made him do that. Maybe we would have to ask him about that. But he took the raw liver and ate it, ate it in front of the team, and we just went crazy. And so I mean, he's, he's a crazy guy, but, you know, he he does what he, he knows he knows how to get it done. I mean, nine hundred wins is you don't get that you don't get that without knowing how to get the best out of your players, and that's that's what he that's what really what he he's able to do. He's 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 a master at doing that. The year before that, we lost at the buzzer uh, to a team, Horizon Christian. I'll never forget. Last second shot, they beat us for state. Um, you know, we were all devastated, crying things like that. And then there was a picture of us that were on the court who, after the shot happened, there's a picture of the other team celebrating and a couple of us on the court, like, you know, in shot of disbelief or whatnot. And so uh, going into that summer after the season, he had that picture framed and he put it up in the gym. So like, as soon as we walk in, we will see it type of thing. And, you know, he was he was just tell us like yeah you guys got to remember that you know if you want to if you want to go back that has to be our our motivation and sure enough we saw it every day uh, I mean and even regular students who were walking the gym will see it so it's not like just a basketball team thing we're seeing it everybody who will walk in the gym at some point in time saw that picture of us in that moment and we knew that we had to replace that picture with something else. And that's what he always told us every year. Like, I mean, every day, you know, what you guys want to do? You guys got to replace that picture with something. And, you know, sure enough, uh, the day of the state game, uh, he grabbed the picture before we left, drove to Sacramento for the game. He took the picture out the frame and he was like, you guys, you know, we made it here. It's time to burn this memory. And he, he lit it on fire and we went to care of business and we put a new picture up there of us posing with the trophy after the game. So that was a that was a special year for sure. Special. If you're a part of the coaching community or aspire to join it, you immediately have an advocate and confidant in Lippy. Mellis says Lippy consistently encourages coaches to be supportive of each other and practices it at every opportunity. One of the things that he said at the coaches clinic, and, and I've heard him speak a few times, but he literally says this almost every time he says that um, we in the coaching profession 
have to stick together. And, you know, he would say, uh, it's great to compete each other against each other and try to beat each other. But, you know, when the game's over, you know, you shake hands and all that stuff. And, and, um, and he also said when he goes, look, when, when someone, accompl- someone accomplishes something, maybe a big win or a state championship or whatever, he goes, we need to reach out to each other and congratulate each other. And that always kind of resonated with me. And then, you know, he said that that day. And so this is like 2000, 2001. And I remember um, when we uh, when we won our first NCS title, which was in 2006, we beat Cardinal Newman in a super close game at the Oakland Coliseum. And uh, late in the game, I think we were up maybe one and we had the ball with like maybe 10 seconds left under our own basket. And we drew up kind of a, a risky out of bounds play where we threw the ball all the way into the backcourt. We just sent someone deep and threw it and almost dribbled the whole 10 seconds out. By the time they caught up to us, they fouled with like maybe two seconds or something like that, maybe one. And uh, we ended up winning the game. <clears throat> and then um, after the game, after we shake hands, we go back to the bench and uh, we're waiting for the awards ceremony. And I feel a tap on my shoulder and it's lippy. And he's like, great out of bounds play, great out of bounds play, you know? And then, uh, and then he called me, you know, like the next day or day after we've won two state titles and he's called me after each one. I mean, he just, he really kind of puts his money where his mouth is. So he says it in a coach's clinic, but then he really does, you know, do that. He calls when people uh, accomplish something great. Um, I'm obviously going to be calling him about his 900th win. Um, and, uh, and I've called him, I've made sure to call him after all of his state championships that he has. And so it's just, I think he's really, uh, I think he just, he really does do the things that he says that we should do. Finally, Mellis wraps up his thoughts with admiration for a milestone like 900 wins and DeLuca attempts to put a finger on the biggest key to Lippy's success. I have always admired and respected people that have done anything for that length of time, whether it's a referee, whether it's in sports, out of sports. Um, the, the, the people that I, I mean, I had my own coaching mentors, my high school coach, Coach Newell, Pete Newell Jr., you know, coached for 35 you know, to 40 years. Um, so I think of people like a Doug Kagawa that coached at Albany for all those years, a guy that like Lippy and Alaco, like guys that have done it for so long. I have such great respect for people that have done that. Um, you know, I mean, even, even in other sports, I mean, I, you know, I, I, uh, I've never been like a big LeBron fan, but he's done it for so long. I have like such a respect for him now. It's just a little different. Like, I just really respect people that do something for that long. And so I, I, I don't know for 900, that's, that's crazy. That's a lot of wins, you know, and, and um, I just, it, it really just goes to show you that once I said, are you even getting close to retirement? And he was like, no, way, I'm, a, I'm literally going to do this for my entire life. And I was like, all right, good for you. You know, he still, still enjoys it and still seems energized and um, it's crazy. He has this ability to care about you that is 
extends way off the court. It's obvious. He cares about you. He'd do anything for you. He's great at teaching basketball, great at being a teacher. But I think the, the number one thing as a former player is how goofy he is and how much fun he wants you to have. You know, I think that I, every time I read about him and all this and that, it's like, oh, he's this great coach and all this. Okay, that's all true. But I, I don't think enough is written about how much fun he makes it for his players. And how they like, okay, this guy would say the strangest things at me. You, you dodo bird, you know, it, it, it's such a fun, unpredictable style of coaching that is just void in today's game. And that concludes this episode of Sports Stories. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. We're currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. If you listen to us on one of those platforms, please consider rating and reviewing it as well. Sports Stories is built using Anchor. You can visit anchor.fm slash sportsstars if you'd like to leave us a voice message about this episode or to suggest one of your own. Also, be sure to check out the magazine's homepage at sportsstarsmag.com, where we will have a page with episode extras that include images of Lippy and a link to the article DeLuca wrote for us about him last spring. This episode's audio was recorded and edited by me, Chase Bryson, and the cover photo was taken by Dean Coppola. The Sports Stories theme music was performed and mixed by Dustin Phillips. Check out his renowned cover band, Popular Demand, at sacramentocoverband.com as we get closer to having live music again. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with another new episode in two weeks. some stories bro i have like seven of them are you kidding me